Hi there, Derek Gray here and welcome once again to the Audio Bubbles podcast where I speak to some of Scotland's foremost producers, studio owners and post-production experts. Ali Murray works on the sound design for film, TV, art installations, commercials and stage productions. He also lectures at Edinburgh College of Art and started out as a drummer. He still picks up the sticks from time to time and you'll hear about this plus what a sound designer actually does once I stop waffling on. The following chat was recorded in January 2022. Here we go. Thanks very much for, for, for joining me, Ali. Uh, if you could just kick us off just by letting us know how you got started in, in this field, because it's not necessarily one that, that's particularly well known by the, the wider public in terms of Foley or ADR or post-production in general. Yeah, it, it's not maybe one of the more obvious kind of roles if you're kind of coming in from a sound perspective. I mean, I, I started, I was... I was at, at school, I was a muso, I played cello and then I got into playing drums mm-hmm. and I went to uni to do mechanical engineering and computer-based engineering systems because it was sensible, sensible, but by the end of it I was just playing bands all the time. I ended up working as a drummer for a while, but then between the suffering from depression and the industry changing so wildly, venues going for acoustic stuff, pub quizzes, karaoke, all that kind of crap. And the start of kind of home studio kind of democratization of the the tech is something that they, you know, I wasn't getting hired to go and do sessions as often. Mm. I wasn't getting as many gigs. And I kind of ended up doing a day job and, uh, and doing the music stuff at nights, same as many, many, many people. And then a mate of mine, musician that I'd worked with for years, sent me a demo. He says, I've got some stuff I want you to do. And asked him where he'd recorded the demo. And he said, oh, I did it at home. I got this software. It's awesome. And that was it. I kind of, I got a computer. I got a copy of Cubase and a cheap mic and a little mixing desk. And I got a job the first day I put them all together. My flatmate walked in and said, can you do... Can you record sound for this show that I'm doing? Yes, I can. Right. So you just um, went out with that cheap mic you bought and just recorded it. Well, this this was it was a, a voiceover thing they needed. So right. luckily enough, that was kind of a first foot in the water, and mm. turned out I quite enjoyed it. That led to another job. That led to another job, and then when the banks collapsed, what was that? Two thousand two thousand eight. Yeah. Eight. Yep. I was made redundant. There weren't that many, you know, the company I was working with, I was doing computers for, they were all working with banks. I could either try and find another company to do something similar, which I didn't really want to, or go back into the arts. So I went and did a master's in sound design at Edinburgh Uni and started to do more production work, more film work. That was where I started getting into the film stuff a bit more. And how were you getting into the film stuff? Was there this existing context? Were you going out there saying, you know, here, here I am, sort of thing, with maybe a, a showreel or something like that? How, how did that work? There were a number of things. It was so, it's so much about network. Aye. The whole thing really is. And I got kind of offered stuff, and I was like, well, OK, let's have a look, try this, see what happens. And ended up doing more of it, and that became the kind of forefront of what I do. I still work as a musician. I still 
you know, education's a big thing for me. I, I like working in education. I do stuff for other musicians. I do things for all, all kinds of stuff, you know. It's very much a portfolio career. But, yeah, the main thing is the film. Yeah, and you said you started out as a musician. Do, do you find that kind of informs what you do, even if it's not something music-related, you know, if you're doing some sort of post-production work? Does it help to have been a musician, do you think? Yeah, definitely. Everything from tempo and rhythm and timbre and communications and planning and work ethic mm. and discipline. You know, playing with an orchestra, if, if kick-off time is one o'clock, it means one o'clock, you're ready. Yeah. Tuned up, sat down, music out, pencil out, bow up. It doesn't mean ambling in at 10 past and complaining about stuff. So, you know, working in the arts at all, you've got to have a real drive and you've got to have a discipline. How did you get into the education field then as a, as a lecturing you do, isn't it? Yep, yeah, I do lectures and I do workshops for festivals and film schools and things. And again, that wasn't something I had planned. I didn't expect to go into education at all. A friend of mine who was teaching sound for film at um, a college course, a uni course, he couldn't make it one week. He had to go, he had another job on that was paying better and they asked if I could cover. So I, I went in, covered it for a couple of weeks, discovered I quite liked it and as he ended up doing more and more work in London, I covered more and more. And then when he emigrated to the States, they just kept asking me to come back. So, yeah. and that led to another teaching job and that led to being asked to do a, a Foley workshop and that led to doing something else and something else and something else. So this year I've done maybe 10 Foley workshops or effects workshops. Mm -hmm. I've done recording uh, introduction courses for probably half a dozen different institutes. I've done post-production for probably about the same half a dozen or so. So I think as with a lot of jobs, once you start off, depending on what kind of roles work best, is, is where you'll end up kind of following. You know, it's, mm -hmm. I'm lucky that mostly people come to me and ask me to do stuff rather than me going chasing stuff. Maybe I should do more chasing. In terms of obviously, there's quite a lot going on in your career, the lecturing and the the, the post production work. Still, a bit of you know music going on there as well. But what would you enjoy the most? What would you look forward to the most if you look at your diary? I really like doing like effects for things that don't exist. Creating that believability factor for an effect or a creature is is fun. Foley is fun. Getting you know if you get it just spot on, it's it's that's like doing a session and getting it first. You, you know, if you can get in and get it first take, it's just like, nailed it. I really miss going and playing drums. It's been a couple of years since there's been any call for that. So that's something that I, I'm looking forward to. But I don't know. I think part of what I like is the variety. You know, I, I mean, last year I, I went to four different teaching facilities. I worked on handful of different film projects I got to go and do some location recording 
including like people climbing in pianos and you know like you know interesting odd unusual things that are all the kind of things that I wouldn't get to do in normal jobs so like, that's the variety is useful but yeah funny noises what what sort of um facilities you have for foley in your own workspace i've got a variety of kind of floor surfaces that i can pull out and a, a, a mass of props you know leather gloves to fabric to broken bits of scaffold to pipes to bits of old vcr players to clocks yeah. to you know I'm, I'm the guy who's always looking at what people have thrown out or going down the middle aisle of supermarkets looking for something weird or or going around charity yeah. shops and just picking things up and pinging them and you know Aye. so i get thrown out of a lot of charity shops um <laughs> but you know the, everything makes sound and that's something that can be really really yeah. useful uh, everything in my kitchen has been recorded. Everything in my toolbox has been recorded. Everything yeah. from battery tester to uh, a bit of sandpaper to the clip on a USB to uh, a carrying case clasp. To, you know, I'm just looking at the things around me that I've used and recorded in jobs. That's kind of interesting. The creative side of putting forward emotional content with things that everyone has access to. Yeah, it's quite amazing, isn't it? We, I, I've been doing some foley in the last week for the, the uh, university project, and once you start tuning into it, it's, it's never ending. You'll hear, hear these sounds in your day-to-day -day life. You think, ah, that's, that actually sounds a bit like, you know, a knife cutting into flesh or whatever it might be, you know, these kind of things. So it's really, really interesting that. And as you say, quite rewarding when you get it right. I had someone come in with a, a film... Then, well, I've actually used this in a few films now. Somebody walking on a kind of stony beach. Get yourself one of these packets of dehydrated pasta and sauce. Mm -hmm. Crunch, 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 crunch. It just, it just fits. You know, thing, things that are sonically similar enough that they'll, they'll sell it mm -hmm. once you detach it from what, what's actually causing it. But also, it's, it's using things in a, a more emotional way rather than just being physically what's happening you know you can add quite subtly through foley and through a lot of side kind of a lot of other sounds that are on the surface fairly normal not remotely abstract but you can you know the kind of psychoacoustic side of it you can put people into a state or of of sadness or joy or ease or whatnot through the way that the kind of sounds that you're using, the palette of sounds. Yeah, and also maybe sonic fingerprints for characters and, and the way they want a particular sound for them, you know, just, just brought in very subtly, I suppose, works as well. With Foley, Foley, I was always taught, you know, it's it's acting. You are that character. So, yeah. you know, that will depend how you put a cup down, how you walk, how you bump into something. All of these will depend on your state you know your character so were you involved in recordings in the pre-digital age at all only as a musician you know when i started playing drums it was all on the tape and and still is in some studios nowadays i mean it's been a while right enough but you know it, it has its own it has its own thing but digital yeah you've got to 
tremendous yeah. amount of power. Yeah, exactly, and, and levels of undo as well, which can be good and bad. One of the, I mean, one of the good things about working on something like tape is you have to commit to, you have to make a decision. As soon as you do something digitally, it's very easy to put off decisions. And given that everything you do kind of depends on everything else you've done, if you're not making those decisions, you're leaving yourself in a kind of no man's land quite often. Certainly from a musical perspective, you can hear, you know, if a, if a drummer is putting in a ghost note on the kick drum every second bar or something, that's going to change how the bass player plays and that's going to change what the guitarist is going to do. And that's a good thing. That's everything relating to each other. That makes it a cohesive piece of work. And that's something that I'm really keen on in film work especially is that it's not just a pile of effects thrown at something. It's a piece of work that talks to itself, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, getting it right first time is obviously, a, it seems to be, to me, any quite a good edict, whether that's a performance, even a Foley performance as well, where I'm thinking I'll, I'll chop up those footsteps and, and get them in time, maybe just get them time, in time at the start. Well, well, to be honest, I mean, footsteps is a really good example. So let's say you've got 50 footsteps to do in a scene. How long does it take you to get 50 slightly different footstep samples or you know even if you do if you've got 10 so but you pitch some of them and you change the volume of some of them and you quieten some of them you, know, you you find ways to make them slightly less repetitive and then you try and place each one that's a lot of work whereas you're performing it to the picture even if you have to go in and edit a few to sneak them in you know maybe you're a little early a little late Maybe that one was a little quiet or a little loud. It's still a fraction of the work of doing it from a kind of library perspective. I mean, Foley was always about saving time, yeah. saving money. But in terms of the, the actual DAW, do you, do you find you can work with any DAW or you know, you, is there one you just always work with? I use Nuendo most of the time. That's, mm -hmm. you know... It's Cubase with extra bells and whistles because Cubase was the first one that I used. And yeah, there's an element of taste to these things. And it's, you know, to some extent what you get used to. But yeah. obviously Pro Tools is the industry standard, so I have to use that as well. So I'd use a lot of the education stuff is Pro Tools. Although we're using Ableton for some of that now as well. So that's another one I've got to have a kind of toe in the water with. Mm. And they're all good at some things and less good at other things. And, you know, it's a tool at the end yeah. of the day. The audience doesn't know what it is. The audience doesn't care what it is. No, um, no that is true. Yeah. And I did some Foley and effects and general edit stuff for a horror film during the, the summer. And that was all in Pro Tools. And then, you know, I'm jumping back in Endo for the next job and then I've got to teach an Ableton course. So it's it's handy to have a bit of multi-language kind of going on. It's, I mean, it, it depends what kind of stuff you're doing. If you go and work with a particular company and they're all Pro Tools, then, you know, you don't really need too much of anything else because you just need to be a, a Pro Tools ninja. But I don't, I, 
I don't do that kind of work. I, I tend to work for a variety of people. I'm generally the whole department. And if I'm not, and it means that stuff's coming in on Pro Tools, fine, I use Pro Tools. If yeah. it comes in on Ableton, fine, I'll use Ableton. Um, I've not had a play with Reaper yet. It's supposed to be quite good. Mm. I haven't used Logic in over a decade, but yeah, I mean, it's a tool. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of plugins, what's your go-to effects? Or one thing I was thinking, I'm, I'm trying to do do a film clip for the, the course, and just trying to find some nice orchestral, cheapish orchestral plugins. Quite tricky. So I'm hoping you might have some tips for me now. To be honest, again, I think we're we're endlessly sold stuff as this is the best of this and this is the new version of this and this is you know i think what's more important is you sit down with an intent you're not you're not flailing you're not kind of guessing and and depending on luck to get you there you you, don't get me wrong luck has its has its moments in the studio but whenever i sit down on a job i've an idea what i'm trying to accomplish and that's more important than software that's that's really good advice i, I think intent that, that's really struck a chord with me what i find uh, and going back to the talking about maybe in the quote-unquote olden days where you would just be sitting with a essentially a tape recorder mm. the intent seems to me was was easier to follow through on because now you sit down and the intent was supposed to do this and then half an hour later you've been distracted by this plugin or that plugin or, or stitching something together and the intent is disappears so how do you how do you maintain that kind of this is what i'm going to do and then by the time you finished you've actually done it i think a lot of it i mean i mean it depends on the kind of jobs but for me you never get enough time you never get the time to do everything that you would like to do on something or everything that people would maybe like to be done because money they underestimate how long their picture edit's going to take. They underestimate how long anything in sound takes. Mm-hmm. And don't have a basic understanding very often of what's easy and what's difficult and what's time-consuming yeah. and what's fast. So when a job comes in, I'm looking at priorities. There's an A-League sound design guy I was at a lecture with, and he was saying... You know, if if the film is titled The Really Strange Sounding Car and the last sign is A Really Strange Sounding Car and in the background there's a dog barking, you know, get the incredibly strange sounding car right before you do anything else. If you get to the end and the dog barking's great but the car sounds rubbish, you've failed. If you get to the end and the car sounds incredibly odd and everyone really likes it and you hadn't the time to get the dog barking, nobody should be paying attention to that anyway. Mm. That's good advice, I think. So priorities are really, really, really important. Otherwise, you you will run out of time. Yeah. Because it's like, I can't remember who said it. Was it about albums or was it about films? Was that, you know, they're never finished, they escape. Oh, I think that was Dave Stewart said that, I think. You work until you have to... hand it over yeah. effectively again there was a guy that I, I did a, I was at a lecture with in London a while back and he worked on was it Lost in Space the 90s version yes yep. 
And the, apparently behind the scenes it was known as lost in post. Right. Things had just got way out of hand. Mm -hmm. And they had, there's a, I haven't seen it, but apparently there's a bit with kind of spider, robot spiders or something. Yeah, sounds about right. Crawling yeah. around. And that they hadn't been animated until very, very, very last minute. They got them on the day, the last day of the dub mix. And basically, where they had, while they had these guys doing the dub mix over there, they had two guys over here making the robot sounds that they could fling into the other room as soon as it was finished. And 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 that kind of thing happens way more often than it should be. Mm. I've had stuff, you know, it's going out for broadcast. And I send it off. You know, everyone's been signed off. Everyone's been ticked. Everyone's been exported. Everyone's been sent off. Everyone's been accepted. Everyone's been checked. And then uh, a few hours later, we need to make a change. And you're up till four in the morning making a change that, whether it's a legal thing or whatever, you know, for some reason this yeah. thing has to be changed. And it has to be ready to rock at nine o'clock the next morning and where, wherever. So, yeah. And I suppose working with, with that, that sort of intent, is all you also have to bear in mind you're working by and large for somebody else, you know, a director or something. I mean, how, how do you find that in terms of how much direction are you given? Is it, is it, very specific most of the time or is it quite you know where well, you can do your own thing at this point they trust you to bring your experience to the project or is it more something like this happens has to happen here it completely depends on on the people mm. there are some jobs where they clearly regard me as a as a button pusher mm -hmm. someone who is to do exactly what they want exactly when they want and and have no interest in, and you know, in, in my experience or my my thoughts, my creativity, my storytelling ability, and that's obviously very disappointing. And that tends to be, on the whole, relatively inexperienced people in the industry. Yeah. That's not fun. However, I'm lucky enough that I also work with people who turn up and give me, you know, I want this, I don't want that, I need something there, I'm not sure what, give me a shout in a week, couple of weeks, and where I can create a world, where I can tell a story, oh. and where I'm not wasting time on things that are not important. I have a couple of jobs specifically in mind, and I, I, I'm not, I, I can't, Obviously, I don't want to go into detail, obviously, okay. but there are jobs that get very frustrating. Yes. There are clients that you'll decide you're never going to work with again. I was wanting to just ask you just quickly was how, how you found working through lockdown, both technically and, you know, everything else really, just the, the, the whole logistics of it. On the whole, I, I work remotely quite a lot anyway. I mm. uh, work from home mostly. It didn't make a huge amount of difference for me. It was maybe a little harder for some of the people I was working with who maybe weren't used to working that way. I think the big thing, whether you're, whether it's in lockdown or not, when you're working from home, it can be more difficult to stop for the day. Yeah. 
and and say, right, I am now no longer working. I am having a life, doing something else, and uh, that can be difficult at the best of times. Yeah, yeah. And you know, anything that's deadline driven, you're, you're obviously going to be a slave to the the clock at, yeah. at some points. But yeah, I think the biggest thing was it made it harder to walk away from the machine and go and do something else. So do you have an actual acoustically treated home studio? Is that something you actually need? So it it is, it's not quite what I would like. I would like something that's a little bit more, there's things that I would like to do to it to maybe calm it down a little on a couple of frequencies. But I've kind of positioned things to act as refractors. I've got some uh, a big sofa in the corner and the back just to, uh, as a bass dump. I've got stuff behind and at the side. You know, I've I've hit most of the mirror points mm-hmm. with things that will that tames the room. So I mean, I, I've recorded voiceovers in here for a number of things, both from other voiceover artists and myself, and that's fine. I can use it for foley, and I can use it for recording just items that I need to turn into something else. It's not something where I would want to record drum kits. Is that a drum kit behind you? I can see. Uh, yes, ah. there are several drum kits. Right. Um, far too many guitars, the odd cello, bass, a few gongs, bells, percussion instruments of various types, and yeah. How are your neighbours? Understanding neighbours, I hope. Mostly deaf, thankfully. Right. Uh, no. No, actually, I don't play. I only, only play the electric kit in ah. here with the headphones. I would get deported yes. if I played Aye. properly. <laughs> Many thanks there to sound design guru Ali Murray. Some great Foley tips and a nice wee bit of gear acquisition syndrome debunking. For more information on Ali, visit our website, audiobubbles.co.uk. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at audiobubbles-uk. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe using your favourite podcast platform and post us that five-star review. Go on. Thanks for listening. See you next time.